0: Gonna drive. Welcome to Red, White, and Blue Jays, the podcast home of Blue Jays Fans UK, a group connecting Blue Jays fans around the UK and beyond and telling their stories. And now, here's the host of Red, White, and Blue Jays, Steve Hunter.
1: Good afternoon, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to another edition of Red, White and Blue Jays. Great news. Baseball is back, people. I cannot believe it. It seems an eternity ago when we were on our last pod, uh, thinking that it might not happen for some time. And suddenly here we are a week later and we are back on. Can't believe it. So excited that it is only just around the corner. Spring training going to be kicking off very, very shortly started the new season starting around the April the 8th for the Jays. That's that first game at home to Texas. And I couldn't have wished for a better time to speak to our guest today. I'm absolutely thrilled that we have managed to get hold of Ben Wagner, the Blue Jays radio announcer. I mean, he has been super busy and I had the real joy of speaking to him earlier today and he gave us some fantastic insights to what's happening currently in spring training camp and looking forward to the season ahead. So we hope you really enjoy this one with Ben Wagner.
0: The podcast home of Blue Jays Fans UK. You're listening to Red,
1: White and Blue Jays. Some of the audio during the interview is poor due to the internet connection Ben had at the time of recording.
2: Hi, I'm Ben Wagner, and you're listening to Red, White, and Blue Jays.
1: Hey, Blue Jays fans! Welcome to another edition of Red, White, and Blue Jays, and we are today live from Spring Training, Dunedin, with Ben Wagner. Ben, thank you so much for spending some time with us.
2: My pleasure. It's uh, it's very easy to get excited to talk baseball this time of year, and of course, when you're in the thick of it with baseball returning. It's a lot of fun, you know, to sit in this seat, to watch the big leaguers report to camp under a sparkling sky and an unbelievable facility that we're actually getting to see in motion for the first time because of the pandemic. But full systems go as projected, as predicted, and hopefully as exciting as everybody's expecting this Blue Jays team to be. And it all starts right here in Dunedin.
1: Yeah, no, totally. I, I I was just thinking in terms of your diary, it's probably gone from being quite quiet over the last few weeks. And then, in the last forty-eight hours, has probably gone mental. I mean, is it gone crazy for you?
2: Yes, uh, yes. Because I think the baseball world thought that this thing was going to drag out a little bit longer. Um, just getting the news on the heels of where the talks broke down in Jupiter, shifting scene to New York with the Players Association and Major League Baseball, and you know, be- behind us in the in the background here even the Blue Jays coaches and staffers were having conversations like, how long should we be down here and kind of wait this out? Because the major league staff has been on site for a couple of weeks and they then were adjusting their plans, thinking about going back home. And literally hours before news came down that the deal had been struck, they were having their own internal meetings about making travel plans home. So in the next day or so, everybody was going to vacate here and kind of play the long game and then return. But Thankfully, baseball is back and it's been it's been a whirlwind since uh, just trying to get broadcast schedules lined up, trying to get car rentals secured. Um, You know, who's going to be reporting first to camp, fortunately for the blue space? And this is by design, right in this Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg slash dozen guys that live here year round. And on kind of those last week, there had been about 15 to 20 guys in the area as well so blue jays are certainly ready to go and it has been a whirlwind sense
1: yeah great we're just we're just breaking up a little bit on your signal there but we'll, we'll we'll press on hopefully that will that will improve as time goes by so what what's the mood in the camp i see even this morning some players are turning up uh first arrivals back spring training kicks off officially i think is it today that uh everybody's back in camp is that is that correct
2: Correct. This Sunday is the day. You know, it is a full squad report. Uh, there a couple of days ago there was early report if you were in the area, but travel plans had to be made. Um, you know, I I have not seen everybody. The 50, of the sixty-seven of the sixty-seven people that are supposed to be here in camp, I've um, not put eyes on everybody. I know Hyunjin Ryu had been in Korea. He had been throwing with the Eagles. Uh, he is on his way overseas uh, to get here. So that's one face I haven't seen. Um, but you know what? I mean, overall, with the excitement of just reporting to spring training like you normally would, the excitement is because of where this team is. The excitement is because of what the Blue Jays have done the last couple of years and the maneuvers that they've made recently. Uh, Jose Murillos, Kevin Gosman. You go out and you get Yusei Kikuchi, somebody that's been very impressive for the Blue Jays and against the Blue Jays over the last couple of years. Uh, you can tell the level of expectation is building from the top of the franchise all the way down. And, you know, that's a byproduct of where the Blue Jays were.
1: Yeah. And, of, yeah, as you say, you mentioned Kikuchi, obviously the news from yesterday. Uh, and I, th- I think that was sort of possibly in the game plan in terms of getting him on board. So, was that a big surprise for you or, or, or was that a, a, an obvious move?
2: Uh, Kind of obvious, not a surprise for me. In the last few weeks, I've heard a number of names circling around, uh, you know, the the complex about target guys. The guys of the Blue Jays, once the CBA was inked, free agency would open, potential for trades would begin. That's where the Blue Jays uh, were. And Kikuchi had been on their target list. You know, they like the velocity. They like the repage more. They think that they can improve. Um, they can make him a better pitcher, bottom line. I mean, he did not have a good back half of the season last year. And the Blue Jays have been remarkable at this. Whether you're a top-flight free agent or whether you're just, you know, kind of like a middling six-year free agent that had been toiling the last couple of years in the minor leagues, you've got a shot. You know, guys take a, le- a lot of looks into the analytics, the data, uh, about, about a pitching repertoire specifically, and they they find ways to – target things that they could improve on, or they think they could improve on with that individual. And that's why you've seen the success of Robbie Ray, which is a great thing he was able to do with the Blue Jays was indicative of that. And that's where you get into the category of And that's that's
1: a move that I expected, really. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Again, we just just lost you a little bit in the middle, but I think I got the the gist of what what you were saying there. So, in terms of the the starting rotation now, uh, it's obviously looking very good with Beres, Gosman, Ryu, Manoa, and Kikuchi. What what do you think this means for for people like Nate Pearson? Where do you feel they sit now in that game plan? Um, is he going to come in as a reliever? Do you think, or, or I mean, obviously injuries—we don't know what will happen as as time goes by. Um, but w- where would you see sort of Nate Pearson sitting?
2: Well, I think Nate's going to be a guy that they're going to stretch out. Um, I think that he's he's a viable starting option if he is if he is healthy. I talked with Nate the other day. Yeah, the procedure on the groin he feels great he looks great by the way i mean i just say physically he looks very very strong on the bottom half and like around the hips and the and the in the thighs for example where he generates a lot of that power it looks like that bottom build is underneath him which i think is gonna only help his reform
1: yeah yeah no absolutely and, and Ross stripling would you see in a similar sort of role
2: I, I would more of a swing man probably not as you know Going into the season, for for Ross, maybe build him up to three or four innings. I don't know that you're going to necessarily treat him like Nate. Uh, with with Nate, though, you know if the if the rotation doesn't change, I can see Nate being a power arm out of the bullpen as a bulk guy behind a Hyunjin Ryu. You know that's a really good combination to line up. Um, but also, you know the Blue Jays aren't done on the trade market too, so that'll be very interesting.
1: Yeah, no, no, exactly. And I think I think in terms of what happens now in terms of particularly the infield. Um, obviously, Jose Ramirez has been spoken about a lot. Uh, there seems to be a lot of certainly around in Blue Jays' Twitter world. That seems to be the signing that everybody is getting excited about. And I was just wondering at what cost that would be to the Jays in terms of some of these guys being used as part of that trade. Yeah. Can, can you see that playing out in that way that we could potentially lose somebody like a Nate Pearson to a, through a trade?
2: Yeah, that seems to be the popular name that's thrown around him to get a Jose Ramirez because uh, to do a deal like that, it's going to cost you. Um, you know, reference back to the Jose Barrios with the Twins, right? It cost you a uh, number one draft pick, it cost you a top flight pitcher in player development with Simeon Woods Richardson. And then, of course, the draft pick was Austin Martin. Uh, the name that, the names names it's going to take more than one too you know it's going to take Nate Pearson maybe Jordan Groshans, uh, it might take Jordan Groshans in an outfielder you know is Randall Gritchick part of that package if he plans out or uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Yeah you know, you hear those names a lot to bulk up some packages so it's going to cost the Blue Jays you know but at what cost do you think that Jose Ramirez and that impact bat switch hitter you know pretty solid defensively um that you know but that's not the end game for the Blue Jays there are a couple of other guys that are circling around but Jose Ramirez is just like i mean it just it slots in perfectly so many ways at third base the hitting and being a number two guy in that yep. lineup
1: yeah no no totally in terms of uh the guys coming back into camp uh they're all looking in pretty good shape uh clearly there's always a watch on, on Vladi and, and how he's looking, and uh, he's looking trimmer and fitter than ever. Uh, it, it, does that does that come across when you're up close and personal?
2: Yeah, and he's, he's one of the guys, you know, that, that just look great. Um, just giving the eye test and the scan of the room, it doesn't look like anybody took this time for granted, you, you know, from a player perspective. It looks like there was a very big focus, and you know why that's a product of being... Uh, good teammates in the culture that that clubhouse has created because the Toronto Blue Jays hold each other accountable. And that's true. Um, specifically about Vladimir Guerrero jr. I feel like I've been saying this a couple of years, his body is going to change. He's going to mature as he grows older. Remember how young these guys are. Um, he is going to grow into a body and we have not seen the finished product for Vladimir Guerrero jr. I haven't seen the finished product yet for Bo Bichette. You know, Bo Bichette looks a little bit more mature in the face and in the shoulders and the build, Um, and yeah, I can tell he looks a little bit more defined in the muscular build. Uh, So, you know, we have not seen the finished product of hopefully the Blue Jays of what they are of a team. And we certainly haven't seen them as individuals, but the good news is every year, these guys look better and better. And Vladdy is right there in the thick of it. The changes that he's made over the last two years, I mean, it's just been remarkable. And this year he's taken just another step.
1: Yeah. And Santiago Espinal seems to have, uh, caught a few people's attention as well he certainly looks like he's bulked up a bit as well
2: yeah he's getting a lot of uh, a lot of comments and and questions about that instagram post that was circling the uh uh the cyber world over the last couple of weeks uh, to me he doesn't look you know as thick as that because and that's good right that's good he needs to play second base he needs to play third base um but he definitely does look much more defined than a little bulkier of a top half. And we've seen that with a lot of guys in the strength and conditioning program uh, where they're building themselves out, bulking to to prepare for the long haul of a regular season. Um, Santi's definitely a little thicker, but it, uh, don't, don't let the picture fool you. I think that has to do with an angle. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. The other guy that I, I just wanted to touch base with is uh, Gabriel Marino in terms of, where he's going to be on opening day. Do you think he's going to make the roster? I mean, again, a lot of talk about him and his potential. I was just sort of thinking, where is he going to sit in the lineup? Uh, would it be at the beginning of the opening day season or would it be further down the road? How how would you see that playing out?
2: I, I think a lot either good or bad would have to happen to get Gabby onto that opening day roster. I, 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 I don't see the rush to get Gabriel. I think, you know, from, from Gabby's perspective, he's got to get more consistent and continue to develop as a, uh, as a player, you know, uh, as a with the blue Jays, where they're at right now, with Danny Jansen, Reese McGuire, Alejandro Kirk, um, you know, still part of this, part of this process. Uh, there's just not a rush, you know, Um When when Gabby Moreno comes up, it's because Gabby Moreno is ready to come up and and he's not going to be pressed into a need that the potential is endless, you know, with with Gabby. And there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, I just don't think that that's the rush right now. You know, if there is a need and you you lose a couple of guys on the depth chart, that presents opportunity as well. Um, I just I think Triple A Buffalo is the ticket for Gabby. And, and hopefully he goes behind the plate, you know, and the Blue Jays can solidify the, the third baseman position. I know they kind of sprinkled him in there at double A last year. Uh, I just I don't think that's where it pans out for Gabriel Moreno. I think he's I, I think he's behind the plate, you know, and that's where I want to see him come up.
1: Yeah, totally. Of course, if he goes to triple A, he's going to bump into Mr. Biagini, who is back. I mean, how, how, how cool is that?
2: Uh, it's an experience. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've known Joe for a long time and it's nice to have him back. You know, he's, uh, I haven't seen him throw a pitch in a long time, but, um, it's yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, he's one of those guys, you know, what I mean, he, Joe Biagini and uh, a line of players that organization is familiar with, but also the fact that somebody that's been in the big leagues, performed at the big leagues with really good success in the big leagues at times too. Those are great insurance policies to have within the organization.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, what what is it, what is it like to interview him? I mean, how, how, how tricky is that?
2: Uh, It's not tricky. You know what? Um, Joe's got a unique personality. And if you get through some of the, the funny clips and Joe Biagini says a lot of smart stuff, and um once you know once you warm up to joe and like i said i've known joe for a long time um and i remember the first first interview that we sat down and i started to chat and he asked me what flavor my gum was because it smelled nice you know so uh, <laughs> um but then you then you know then you dive into it um so it may t- it may take 12 minutes to get a good five minutes um or a great five minutes with joe but that's that's the Joe Biagini experience.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, I think, and we've seen obviously what he did um, and Kawasaki a few years ago in terms of just that uh, environment of fun and enjoyment that they brought to the to the team. And I think, you know, what we saw last year in terms of the home run jacket, and there just seems to be that vibe about this group of players in terms of, it's, it is about winning baseball games, of course, but it's it's more than that. It's just the celebration, the joy that seems to be right across this whole squad. I mean, and I think, you know, seeing these guys coming back into spring training, seeing some of your clips, seeing some of Hazel's uh, this morning, just smiles on faces and stuff. It looks like a great place, a great place to hang out, great place to go and do your your day-to-day work.
2: That's exactly what it is. And, you know, that's, that's a couple of years in the making, honestly, with this Blue Jays club. It's a, it's a youthful energy, I, and that translates really, really well on television when we're watching the broadcast. And, it, and you certainly feel it, and you experience it when we're on the field talking with these guys uh, before or after a ball game, too. I, and it's genuine. I mean, it's really genuine. You know, these guys have been together, especially the core young group, you know, that have been coming up through the minors the last five, six years. Uh, they know each other really, really well. And they've been in a lot of successful environments and they know that this is the ultimate successful environment and reaching their goal. And it doesn't take very long for people to to get on board with it. You know, uh, I, and I go, I go back to the trade deadline where Jose Barrios, you know, within the first two days, you know, looked like one of the guys when there was something that happened right after the trade deadline, you know, a close pitch, a close call. There was some chirping back and forth between the dugouts and Jose Barrios was right on the top step of the dugout chirping. Like he'd been in the blue Jays organization for the last five years. Um, Alec Manoa, who's a rookie, you know, he wasn't kind of like leaning back in the shadows, letting the veterans handle all this. No, he's on the top step, you know, (laughs) back and forth and, and trying to defend his teammates. So, It doesn't matter if you've been in the big leagues for a decade or 10 days. Um, You know, it's, it's everybody rolling in one direction and that's where it wins.
1: And it's rolling well. I mean, I I don't think I can remember. Well, not certainly for, for a while, uh, an expectation, I think, in terms of this season, everybody, I think was disappointed. Obviously how last season panned out on that last day, not quite getting over the postseason line, but I think going into 2022 once we got the CBA out the way, then it just feels like the truck is rolling and it's rolling well and it's exciting.
2: Yeah, it really is exciting. You know, the level of expectations, maybe not the timeline, but the level of expectations was certainly elevated in a shortened pandemic season. Um, that's a ball club that won, lost 91 games, uh, you know, in 2000 and 2019. You flip the script, you make the playoffs a short, a short stay in the playoffs, but you did it where you didn't have a home and you had to figure out where you were going to play games very quickly. And, you know, not, not in the best environment uh, when it comes to hosting major league baseball, when they had to basically use an erector set to make a major league, uh, major league ready stadium. So when, when they got through Buffalo and then even last year starting in Dunedin, which didn't do the blue Jays any favors going back to Buffalo a better situation with the way they were able to build things out, but still not a great situation. And then finally getting back to Toronto, like all these things, all these things, where a a, a more veteran and salty major league franchise would have kind of grappled and packed it in and run for the bus. That's not the Blue Jays. Um, you, you know they were recruiting and recruiting hard and trying to keep energy and and positivity high, and that's the reason that led to the success, albeit a crash. And guys have admitted, coaches, players have admitted, last year was not enjoyable at the at the finish. You know, to fall that short, that was not enjoyable. Like guys, guys admitted they were depressed for a couple of weeks. Uh, that's that's how much it means. You know, I mean, we're sulking as Blue Jay fans and people kind of closely connected to it. And we're just like devastated. Yes, it hurt. It, it it was a physical pain that a lot of these guys were feeling. Uh, you know, at the end of last year. So it means a lot to them.
1: Yeah.
0: You're listening to Red, White and Blue Jays, the podcast of Blue Jays Fans UK.
1: How key is being in Roger Centre this year to this team?
2: Uh, I could go through the number of reasons why it's important. But yesterday, when I was on the field at batting practice, Teoscar Hernandez was asking about how they were going to reject the schedule. It seemed like the players, you know, just thought they were going to back everything up. That's not the case. To get 162, they're going to pick up the schedule where the schedule was on April the eighth. April the eighth, of course, is Rogers Center in that opener against the Texas Rangers. And mm. Teoscar Hernandez said, "Oh, we're going to start with Texas." He said, "Where's the game?" And I said, "Rogers Center." He goes, "Rogers Center for opening day," and Teoscar goes, "Oh." <laughs> gonna be fun so that tells you the level of excitement about being back at home being in toronto being with rogers center and blue jay fans all coming together with what is anticipated to be a packed house i mean up to the brim of, of that concrete convertible you know so uh, i'm definitely ready for that
1: yeah and they're, they're running full capacity are they this year
2: uh, that seems to be that seems to be the case. Uh, those decisions are far beyond my pay grade, sure. uh, but but it's, yeah. But it but it sounds like uh, but it sounds like a full house, which means yeah. full throat, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, and and I guess the other thing in terms of the COVID world that could impact because everybody's got to be vaccinated, haven't they? In terms of border crossings into Canada and so on, how do you think that's going to impact in terms of visiting teams?
2: I think it's going to be a big, big, big impact for a number of teams. Um, it's pretty well documented who some of the teams are that, you know, don't have a higher vaccination rate. Um, the Blue Jays are one of the higher vaccinated teams in major league baseball. There are some teams that are further behind. Uh, I think it could impact the, a number of clubs, a number of American league East clubs and, Those are the rules. Sorry. You know what? And those are the rules and nobody made excuses and nobody gave the Blue Jays a pass for what they were going through over the last two years, too. So uh, I said this on our flagship station in Toronto the other day. Some colorful language was used when I brought up that question in a small circle the other day. And those are the breaks. You know what? Those are the breaks. Did we want to host a number of games in Dunedin was one of the quips. Do you think we wanted to go through Dunedin and Buffalo to play major league baseball before we could even get a chance to get back to our city and our ballpark and our home? Um, uh, hang with them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hang it with them. It
1: yeah. yeah, It is what it is.
2: Yeah, it is what it is.
1: So let's, let's have it on record. World Series champs this year. Is, is it, it's possible.
2: I can't do that. You know that. Uh, Is it possible? Oh, is it possible? One thousand percent. You know what? And that's the thing. That's the letdown. The Blue Jays were so exciting in April and September last year and with the trade deadline and with so many things. And they know the games. They know the games that they kicked that cost them a chance to get into the playoffs. And that was the thing, too, because the Blue Jays, with the way they had the pitching lined up, the way that they were throwing the baseball playing and how dangerous, how dangerous they were the players knew that they could have really made a run at that thing and falling a game short has just been gnawing at them this entire cold off season. So one sixty-two will define a lot and health is going to play into that. I blue Jay fans can rest assured uh, that they are making moves, that they are very active and that the team that's already assembled, it can be a very, very, very fun season. If everything works in their favor, and the playoffs are absolutely the the ultimate goal here to complete one sixty two. But by getting to the playoffs, the Blue Jays have every every chance to get in there and win that thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we, as I said earlier, the the chances and the excitement that are building around this team is just it's rolling now. And I and I think if it doesn't happen this year, then we've got I think three three four year window where they are going to be world series champions. I mean, let's hope it's this year and let's let's see where it lands.
2: Well, I, I, that's, you know, that's why you go out and you did Jose Barrios. That's why you aggressively signed a three-year deal to a guy that, like Kikuchi that you think can help. That's why you're looking at, can you add somebody on the diamond? And, and that's why for the last four or six years, we've heard about acquisition, building assets, controllability, All of those buzzwords where Blue Jay fans and and some broadcasters sat in a room and went like this. "Okay, what does that mean for my ball club that I'm tuning into on the radio and on television every night? When's it going to help? Now is the time that all of that is supposed to help. Now is the time. This is the window where in a three to five year stretch, knowing you've got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bobichet Bichette, Lourdes Correll Jr., Teoscar Hernandez who is blossoming in front of everybody's eyes, they are reaching towards their peak and and potential here and this is when you strike when the iron is hot and you try to you know round all these edges to make it the finished product and and that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing right now with the Toronto Blue Jays and it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: It's going to be a lot of fun. Just um just widening the the, the questioning in terms of Obviously, UK here, we have a lot of Jays fans. Uh, I, How, how much would, would a team be aware of the sort of worldwide impact that they have, uh, as opposed to, obviously, one team, Canada, national team, you know, it's a, it's a one-nation team. But there is a lot of Jays support right across the globe. How, how much would a, a ball club be aware of that sort of following overseas?
2: You know, that's interesting. Um, might be surprised by it. You know, Canada rallied around the Blue Jays starting in 2013, where, you know, it was this freshness. Mom and dads had remembered, you know, the great teams of 92 and 93. Now their their kids are getting on board with the trades that Alex Anthopoulos made in that 2013 season, trying to ramp it up. Remember Josh Johnson and all that, you you know, all that buzz, remember? I mean, that was supposed to be the team that launched him into this. And it fizzled. You know, it fell way short. Then fifteen and sixteen happened. That that buzz. That's what it became. Canada's team. And I think a lot of players around the game recognized the fact, and people in the organization too. You know, players that were in the lower levels uh, at that time said, "Wow, this thing is much bigger than just a ball club in Toronto. This does have a national feel. Uh, is it the global feel that's recognized?" Honestly, like I didn't know it until I started seeing interaction uh on, on my Twitter feed, you know, during ball games coming from the UK with with outstanding fan support like you. And you know, that it's so it's eye-opening. It really is eye-opening. And I think it's only becoming more to the forefront that not only is it bigger than Toronto and even Canada, the far-reaching Blue fans are on board with this thing because this Blue Jay club is so exciting, and I think I think a lot of eyes open when you get to to bottom line success. The success promotes a lot of that. Uh,
1: absolutely, yeah. I mean, obviously, we had the London series here in 2019 with the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, I, I I was it's always difficult because I went to the game and it was a a spectacular event. Uh, I think all of us who've seen baseball uh, in Canada, straight the states. You know, is it going to be a bit gimmicky? Is it going to be anything like uh, that sort of game day experience? And I think they did really well, actually, in converting a, a soccer stadium for the ball for the ball game. Um, it had masses of foul territory just because of the shape of the the the, the, uh, the ground. But I think to to a T, everybody said beyond the Red Sox and the Yankee fans, represented the next most represented group of fans were the Jays. Uh, And I think, I think, you know, there are a lot of connections, I think, between the UK and Canada. Lots of Canadians live here in the UK. Lots of uh, UK citizens have moved to Canada. So I think there's a lot of cross-cultural stuff going on. I just wondered what would, how would you think it would sit in terms of, I know MLB have just announced they're looking to do five overseas games, uh, London being one of them. How well would it, transport taking the blue jays out of canada into into another into another nation
2: well well, i would love to do it um you you know i don't think i'm going to have a vote at the table there i think there are some other major obstacles unfortunately one how major league baseball views teams that they want to take on the world stage you know red sox yankees of course are going to lead the charge there but there are a number of blue blood teams like the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Los Angeles Dodgers. I I think major league baseball will give because you look at how the priority has been stacked up with those franchises, even stateside, they seem to get national spotlight, even in the States, uh, you know, in the lower 48. Uh, The other obstacle is selling that to the major TV networks, you know, um, Canada will get a lot of eyes and a lot of input and, and obviously a lot of excitement off of uh, basically an exhibition series that that would become. Unfortunately, a lot of the interest may not reside when ESPN or Fox does those broadcasts in the lower 48 when they try to draw that data for TV numbers. So I, unfortunately, down the road, it might be a possibility, but unfortunately, I think in the near term. There are some, ob- you know, there are going to be some obstacles to make the Blue Jays part of it. But that would be that would be great. I mean, it would, it would really be fun.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, you would have a stack of us there. I mean, honestly, we, we would make that stadium pump because uh, there is, as I say, so much Jay support here, here in the UK. 7 p.m. First pitch in Toronto.
0: Midnight first pitch in London. We're Blue Jays fans UK and we stay up late you're listening to red white and blue jays
1: so just this is we're sort of coming unconscious of your time ben and you are super busy just give us a little snippet into game day for you then uh what 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 does that involve what what does a, a a normal game day experience look like for ben wagner
2: um you know let's let's take our standard 707 first pitches right um I, I game day, for me, begins when I roll out of bed and I look at box scores and check headlines and uh, try to get a feel of the news of the day around the game, uh, specifically then whoever the opponent is as well. I I try to harness all that information and try to get a little bit of a roadmap to get me ready when I go to the ballpark. And I do a lot of prep work before I even get to the ballpark. I'm usually there at o'clock in the afternoon for a seven o'clock game and the clubhouse or few players on the field, you know, everything's different now because of COVID Uh, players usually start to pop out on the field around three 4 o'clock. And I I like to be present down there. I like to be on the field and kind of on the scene, talk with players and get a feel for what's what's specifically either happened the night before, or get a feel for what they, what they're thinking approach wise at the plate, all these things, right. And there's constant roster turnover too, so you got to get a, You got to get your feel on who's even in the clubhouse, um, so you know who. So you know who's going to be around. And, and then, honestly, I sponge. You know, I sponge. I talk to coaches, I talk to players, I talk to other broadcasters, and get all that ready. And you know, I, I'm a creature of habit. But that that habit and those those little triggers that happen within your day revolve around one, getting my pregame interviews done, and two, getting the lineup. And in today's Major League Baseball landscape, the lineup is this closely guarded secret by every computer and data processing head of department of research and whatever. And I love getting the lineup. Let me put it that way. So you know these teams that sit on it until six fifteen make me very nervous. So if I get a feel for who's going to play, um, that that really helps my day. But that aside, off my soapbox on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we get the lineup we, we get all my we get all my data we get all my information um, you know if the team's on the road you get up to the broadcast booth a little bit later if the team's at home I go up I'm, I'm usually in the booth by 5.45 6 o'clock I grab a quick bite and, and then finish my notes and try to pro- provide a good broadcast over the next three or four hours beginning with yeah i you know i i keep a scorecard i've got a number of notes i've got a, a, a twitter feed that never stops in the broadcast booth we, we we are afforded so many resources and sometimes it's overwhelming and it's at times too much uh for us individuals to tell the stories of the day tell the stories of the player and tell you about the ball game and and try to make it as well-rounded, as dramatic, as exciting with information to to carry you through the next three or four hours.
1: Yeah. I mean, what I love about what you do, and obviously listening to to Jerry previously, uh, um, the the radio broadcast, I think, particularly for for guys like us, uh, evening games, of course, are midnight plus uh, over here. And so, quite often, I'll be sitting quietly with me earpods in, listening to the radio broadcast and and uh, and i love I love what you do in radio in terms of bringing the game alive when you can't visually see it. It's a very different experience to to watching it on TV. Uh, you
2: know what? I cut my teeth in radio, and that's why I'm a big believer in radio. and yeah. the the intimacy with the fans is what makes radio incredibly beautiful Um, and I'm a radio medium gives whether it's football basketball or whatever Uh, and when it comes to when it comes to the job that I've been asked to do on radio I approach that microphone every night as a blank canvas for the listeners and you know if there's a good smell kind of walking through the ballpark that I may pick up, and I want you to know it. And you know, is the, how is the shadow from the roof, you know, cascading over the field of play, or you know, can you see the heat radiating off the turf on a on a hot summer day? You know, like those little things that just, if you can rock back in your chair, and and visualize with me, then I'm doing my job, and mixing in the score, letting you know the score, uh, in the inning, right? But all all those little things. I, I mean, I. There's the ball game in front of us, but my number one job is to be a storyteller that, on that day. And um, and hopefully, if I'm able to convey that and let you visualize along the way, uh, bring a moment with excitement and let it build up and make you maybe pop out of a chair or sit in the driveway, a couple of extra beats because you want to hear the close of this inning and whether or not Alec Minowar can put away Xander Bogarts with a 3-2 count with a runner at third. Um, I want you to live in that moment along with me, and and make it worthwhile. So, uh, if we're all leaving the the booth or the broadcast at the end of the day with a smile on our face, then I feel like yeah. I've done my job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you know we we love listening in. We love watching in. I think all, all you guys in Sportsnet, in terms of the coverage that you give to uh, the watching and listening audience, is is superb. Uh, and, uh, we, we particularly for, for, those of us who aren't able to get to the ballpark that often, it's, uh, it's fantastic to hear and see you guys describe that the game to us, Ben, I so appreciate you chatting with you. I, I do appreciate how busy and particularly now how busy life has suddenly become for you. And so to, to carve out a bit of time on your Sunday morning for us, uh, thank you so much.
2: Well, it's my pleasure. It's always good to talk baseball, especially Blue Jays baseball. That's now full throttle. Uh, It's great. You know, it finally feels like we're talking about the Blue Jays now with purpose. You know, now the season is on the brink and Blue Jay fans, no matter where you are on the globe, uh, you can be very, very excited about what's happening just mere feet away from me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Ben, just give us your social handles. I'm sure everybody knows them, but just remind us where you're at so people can find you.
2: Yeah, socials are easy. Ben Wag, B E N W A G two four seven uh, on Twitter. I try to stay as active as possible, especially before the ball game. Uh, give you a sense of the news of the day, and uh, if the time affords, you know, some interaction with the fans too. But Ben Wag two four seven on on the main socials, Twitter and Instagram.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much. Give our regards to the rest of your colleagues. I know uh, Hazel's already down there. I think Kevin's coming down uh, over the next day or so. I think I saw Joe Siddles also down with you as well. So uh, give our regards from the UK to, to all your team and uh, thank them for all that they, they do and they bring to us.
2: The, the Sports Ed band is back together. Uh, most of the time when it's a when it's ballgame, it's good music. After hours, it's maybe not such good music, but uh, I tell you, we're, we're, <laughs> we're down here and we're having fun.
1: Brilliant. Well, enjoy it, my friend. Have a great season. Uh, Maybe we will catch up at some other point. That would be cool just to see how, how life is going, maybe further down the road. But for now, Ben, thank you so much and we'll see you soon.
2: It's my pleasure. We'll put the ballpark in the background the next time.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Ben Wagner. So cool to catch up with him, getting all the latest news from spring training. Please keep listening in. Find all the details at the end of the pod as Tim Langton calls those out week by week for us. Uh, so we're grateful to him, but uh, we'll catch you on the next episode soon. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: The Red, White and Blue Jays podcast is a production of Blue Jays Fans UK. If you've got a Blue Jay story to share, let us know. Email us at BlueJaysFansUK at gmail.com and follow along on Twitter and Instagram at BlueJaysFansUK. I'm your announcer, Jim Langton. Thanks for listening.